Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Tuesday, October the 9th, 2018. In this podcast, we are discussing a new Lancet commission about global mental health. Let's hear from our contributors. Hello, my name is Vikram Patel. I am the Pershing Square Professor of Global Health and Wellcome Trust Principal Research Fellow at the Harvard Medical School. Hello, my name is Shekhar Saxena. I'm affiliated to the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and formerly I was working at the World Health Organization. Thank you both very much for joining the Lancet podcast to discuss the Global Mental Health Commission 2018. Much to discuss, but a little look back if you don't mind. I have a dim recollection, Vikram, that we spoke on the podcast about 10 or 11 years ago when the Lancet published its landmark 2007 series on global mental health. Let's have a quick look back at that. Just remind us what its aims were and what were the main outcomes from that Lancet work? So Richard, I think the Lancet series in 2007, in my mind, was one of the most important publications that turned the global spotlight on the massive unmet needs for care for people who are already affected by a mental health problem, particularly in low- and middle-income countries. And the final call to action of that series of uh, papers really called the global community to act to reduce these treatment gaps, founding their actions on two principles. The first on the principle of cost-effective interventions, and the second is on the principle of human rights, respecting the rights of people with mental health problems to choose the kind of care they receive, and the right, of course, to dignity and freedom. The 2007 Lancet series of uh, articles on global mental health uh, started a process that was very interesting and very impactful. Policymakers took note of uh, what should be done on mental health, especially on scaling up care, and it established the principle that scaling up care is one of the most important priorities for public mental health. And many organizations, including the WHO, took a very serious note of it and actually started programs that have uh, benefited hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people all across the world. So I think it was a landmark. It's uh, good that the Lancet took the initiative to do that. The Lancet series of articles in 2007 was took note by many organizations. WHO was one of them. It helped WHO to establish a very clear policy for advancing public mental health and actually started the MHGAP program, which led to a number of technical documents which are being used all across the world, of course, especially in in low and middle income settings, and actually paved the way for a consensus amongst policymakers, which was finally arrived in 2013 as the Mental Health Action Plan, which was endorsed by 194 member states. So a decade later, clearly principles were established, scaling up you've talked about, the work of WHO. So why the need for a new Global Mental Health Commission today in 2018? Well, Richard, the honest truth is while there have been tangible signs of impact in all the ways that uh, we've just discussed, the truth is we are still at the very start of this journey. The indicators on the impact are actually quite bleak. In most countries of the world, for example, 
coverage of minimally effective care for the full range of mental health problems remains abysmally low. As just one example, as we report in the Commission, more than 90% of people with mental health problems in countries like India and China do not receive minimally effective care, which, you know, when you consider the populations in those countries really represents a massive proportion of the global population. But similarly, we also see such vast unmet needs of care in richer countries, which have much greater resources for mental health care. So it's clear that it isn't just the case of having more resources that need to be addressed when one is thinking about reducing the care gap. There are also great challenges in terms of prevention. The knowledge that we have around prevention has not been fully utilized. Indeed, it's not been fully understood and therefore not fully utilized by governments, by policymakers. And the second is about quality. It isn't only the case that we need to improve access to care, but we also need to ensure that the care that people access is of the quality that we have shown is needed in order to produce the ideal, optimal clinical and social outcomes. So I think we have a long way to go, and that was really the primary reason why we had this commission. In fact, uh, you know, one of the important transitions the commission's made from the series is from an earlier focus on reducing the treatment gap, we are really positioning ourselves with a far more aspirational and ambitious vision of reducing the global burden of mental health problems, which can only be achieved if we address the quality and prevention gaps alongside the care gap. So the Lancet Commission of uh, 2018, the work began about three years back, and one of the prime motivations for me personally was to integrate mental health as a part of the sustainable development goals, which were accepted by policymakers in 2015. And that was a major change from before that time. Mental health has been struggling to be a part of health so that when people plan for health, they keep mental health in mind at least. But now the policymakers are saying that mental health should actually be part of the overall sustainable development and they included mental health and well-being as a part of SDGs. So one of the challenges for the mental health community has been how to give policymakers some very practical advice and guidance on their commitment that they made. And the Lancet Commission is an answer to that. And one point of note uh, from the new commission are these guiding principles that are laid out. One of the guiding principles of the Lancet Commission is that mental health is important for everybody and not only for those people who are diagnosed as having a mental disorder. In a sense, the, uh, the concept of mental health should be and is important for all of us because we are somewhere on a continuum between having a very good mental health versus bad mental health. And the, and the classical paradigm of dividing the world into those people who have a mental disorder versus others is actually outmoded. It might have some clinical utility, but the commission takes a stand that mental health is important for all of us and we can all do something to promote our mental health, to prevent mental disorders in future, and if we do have a mental health problem or a disorder, to be able to treat and care for that. So this is the dimensional approach which the Commission espouses and I think is going to be extremely useful for public health planning. The second principle following on from the dimensional one is that of the convergent 
understanding of mental health and mental health problems. By convergent, we mean we are bringing together evidence on the causation of mental health problems uh, from a variety of different disciplines, those that are examining the influence of social determinants and environments, those that look at biological factors such as genetic and other biological pathways, and positioning them onto an understanding of how these different factors interact with each other across the life course. The convergent model of mental health emphasizes that environments are interacting across the life course at very critical developmental stages that are related to brain development. For example, in the first two decades of life in particular, where we see dramatic uh, changes in brain development, where the brain is, as it were, responding to the environment, giving us a very clear biological explanation of how the social environments that we inhabit from childhood all the way through onto young, into young adulthood influence ultimately our mental health. Now, this is, of course, important because it allows us to have an explanatory framework as to why uh, the very commonly observed associations between adversity in childhood and in adolescence leads to mental health problems and therefore also reinforces the need for interventions that create nurturing environments for children and young people. And the third principle is that of the rights-based approach. And by the rights-based approach, we really emphasize a variety of different rights. But to summarize, these would be firstly the right for people who have been exposed to risk factors for poor mental health, for example, uh, people who have been displaced by war or conflict, the right for these people, these populations, to receive interventions that can reduce the potential consequences of those risk factors from affecting their mental health. The second kind of right is for the rights of people who are already affected by mental health problems. In particular, we're thinking of people here with psychosocial and intellectual disabilities, the right to receive care, and very importantly, the right for dignity and freedom. Because we all know that the human rights of people with these forms of severe conditions has been frequently abused in many parts of the world, for example, through incarceration in prison or through frank denial of fundamental rights of citizenship and freedom. Just one follow-up on that. I'm glad you mentioned it there, Vikram, and that is children and adolescents and young adults, the transition that you've just mentioned, particularly in the first 20 years of life, relating, of course, to brain development and emotional development in the first 20 years of life. Just from a mainstream media perspective, certainly in westernized countries like the UK, European countries, maybe the United States, there's been a huge sea change, hasn't there, about the recognition of mental health problems often experienced by young people and how it has been under-recognized before. Not taking away anything you've just said it's just a counter question just to ask whether is there just a risk with all this greater awareness and heightened awareness of the mental health needs particularly of younger people that we might be over medicalizing the problem for younger people where where where, where they might not even exist could young people adolescents almost become to expect to have a mental health problem the way the media seem to be treating it sometimes i think that's a really important question and i think that you know my shaker's earlier remarks on the dimensional principle are actually quite important to keep in mind while responding to that question. We've known for a very long time that the vast majority of mental disorders have their onset before the age of 24. We also know for a very long time that mental health problems that include substance use problems and other kinds of behavioral problems are the leading cause of uh, DALIs, uh, that is to say the burden of ill health in youth. We cannot escape from this evidence. 
the truth is that the commonest cause of ill health in young people is related to their mental health and that most mental health problems in the population begin in young people. Now, the question really is whether we've adequately recognized this. And the answer is no, we have not. And so I think I would welcome, in fact, that there is now a greater awareness, a greater conversation around mental health problems in young people because it isn't the case that we have a risk of over-medicalizing this problem. On the other hand, in fact, we have barely begun to recognize this problem. Now, having said this, the dimensional perspective also encourages us not to consider the medical option as the only one. That is the option one would only want to entertain if an individual has a clinically significant mental disorder. However, we know that many mental health problems are actually below that threshold, on that dimensional spectrum. We may qualify those as being, for example, distress states, in which interventions should not be clinical. In fact, they should be far more delivered, um, far more often delivered in other sectors like schools or in communities using uh, interventions that are delivered by non-medical providers. And also, of course, with young people in particular, promoting self-care, including the kind of interventions that can be delivered on digital platforms. So I think the risk of over-medicalizing is a real one, but at this stage, we shouldn't worry so much about over-medicalizing. We're actually worried about the under-recognition, but also in order to, to, to reduce the risk of over-medicalizing, we should really adopt the dimensional perspective. The risk of over-medicalizing uh, psychological issues amongst young people is a very real one and uh, the dimensional approach takes care of that. But even amongst the population of uh, children and young adults who have a mental disorder, diagnosis of a disorder does not mean or should not mean prescription of a drug. In fact, psychosocial interventions are by far as uh, effective and, and have less side effects and, or adverse effects compared to medication. So very clear guidelines must be used over medication should certainly be very much discouraged, which has been seen in many of the richer countries. And turning to the main recommendations coming out of the Commission, of which there are seven, the first one we have already discussed, and that is the importance, the critical importance of framing global mental health within the sustainable development agenda, within the SDGs, which we discussed earlier on in the podcast. Please, both of you, take it in turns to just to briefly run through the other main recommendations coming out of the Commission. The Commission recommends that mental health care should be scaled up and we have an enormous opportunity to integrate mental health care within the universal health care agenda that has been part of the SDGs and also part of WHO's top-level program. Mental health care has been neglected by most healthcare systems, and there is a big disparity between care for physical health and care for mental health. And the Commission suggests that mental health care must be part of UHC, must be delivered all across the healthcare system and should be increased in quantity. That means everybody who needs care must be given and increased in quality so that at least a minimum standard of care must be delivered. The next recommendation is that when we are thinking about what care comprises and how it is delivered, it is extremely important. In fact, it is central that we are listening to and engaging people with the lived experience of mental health problems. I think the motto of nothing about us without us, which was really the clarion call of the disability advocacy movement, really applies as much to the mental health movement. We need to listen to and ensure that the needs 
wills and preferences of people with mental health problems are right at the heart of our care programs. So one of the recommendations of uh, the Lancet Commission is uh, for the countries and communities to invest more in mental health. Traditionally, mental health has uh, been an area within health which has received very little funding indeed. In fact, in low and middle income countries, the amount of health budget which is allocated for mental health is often less than 1%. And even in high income countries, the percentage is, is usually between 4 to 5%. The Commission recommends that we need a much larger amount of investment, mostly from within the country, from the national resources, but if absolutely necessary, as a part of development aid, so that there are more monies for mental health and the communities can buy better and more mental health. This is an agenda that has been suggested for a long time, but unfortunately, the progress in this area has been extremely slow. In fact, the WHO Mental Health Atlas, published in 2018, shows that there is very little progress on investments for mental health, and with that little amount of money, one really cannot buy good mental health care. One additional point is that even these small amount of monies available are mostly spent within mental hospitals, which obviously is not a very efficient and effective method of buying care. So the proportion between mental hospitals and community care must be tilted much more in favor of community care, which is of better quality and also honors the human rights of people in a far better way than can be done in the mental hospitals. The next recommendation is about using public policies to protect mental health. And this is really pertinent, particularly for young people that includes children, adolescents, and young adults. We need to recognize that the protection of mental health so that children and young people can enjoy the best mental health right through their life course requires an intersectoral approach, investments that are needed in promoting nurturing environments in communities, in schools, and at home. And for that, we need to go beyond the health sector, involving all these different diverse sectors, and ensuring that public policy is promotive of mental health across the early life course. The Lancet Commission suggests that there should be increased monitoring of mental health within the countries and also globally. WHO makes attempts uh, to monitor the situation, but the Lancet Commission feels that there should be an independent mechanism for monitoring the mental health situation in the world. There should also be stress on accountability. We talked earlier about increased investments, and investments must come with accountability. What are the investments achieving, and how far are they being utilized effectively and efficiently? And there is possibility for establishing a global accountability mechanism so that during the period of the Sustainable Development Goals, a very systematic and independent exercise can take place to see where we are with mental health in individual countries, but also globally. And this is a task that needs to be taken extremely seriously because mental health is something that we can just not leave in the hands of people who are neglecting mental health and not really monitoring it in the best possible manner. The Lancet Commission suggests that uh, there should be monitoring of the overall environment, the policy framework, which can be positive or negative for mental health. It should monitor the mental health burden, and it also should uh, monitor 
the resources that are going into it in terms of their amount in terms of the efficiency and effectiveness and the final recommendation is to really support research in this field we need to recognize that there are certain limitations of the evidence we have at the moment in terms of the causation and the effectiveness of the interventions available as well as to recognize that we have failed to a large extent to scale up the knowledge we already know and thus we need investments on two different tracks of research the first is the delivery science how do we use the knowledge we already have better so that more people in the population can benefit from that knowledge and secondly how do we invest in discovery science to better understand the causes and mechanisms of mental health problems and hope that we can use this knowledge to develop more effective more targeted interventions for both the prevention as well as the care of mental health problems next week october the 9th and 10th there's a high level ministerial meeting taking place in london an enormous opportunity clearly for mental health and and obviously for the key messages coming out of this 2018 commission what are your expectations as to the outcomes from that high level ministerial meeting that's taking place next week as i say october the 9th and 10th often these big meetings happen but the key thing is following them up and i my ears pricked up when you talked about global accountability mechanisms just now shekhar that has to be one of the key things that people have to sign up to isn't it the uk government's organization of the summit is an excellent opportunity for getting ministers to know about the lancet commission its recommendations and also some methods about which can help them to implement the recommendations of the lancet commission first of all if you would like the ministers to get a clear message that mental health is an important part of health but also a very important part of the overall development agenda and they need to pay much more attention to it in their policies and as well as invest more in the area of mental health the ministers should also include mental health as a part of the universal health coverage and establish mechanisms within the country so that they can constantly monitor the situation of mental health and take corrective action if things are not going well the minister should also get a very clear message that innovation is a key to success and many of the innovations are happening actually in their own countries even within the low and middle income countries and they need to gather support for establishing those innovations and scaling them up to the country level to me what i really hope that this summit will achieve is a recognition that this is an issue that is tractable you know i think for far too long we have been trapped by really a very negative view about whether or not the mental health of populations can be improved and that whether we have the right resources and the right technologies to address mental health problems what i hope the commission will do is inspire the ministers who will attend the summit into a fresh vision of how mental health can be addressed at a population level as well as a targeted clinical level uh, i obviously realize that this requires a significant call for new investment and i would hope very much that that is what we will hear from ministers if not at the summit uh, certainly soon after but i also wanted to draw our attention to the development community more generally i think the fact that the development community and that includes major foundations for example who are concerned with the health and well-being of the poorest people of the world the fact that they invest almost nothing in the mental health of these populations i think is another very important concern of mine and i hope that following the summit 
and the very concerted campaign that we are planning uh, to disseminate the findings uh, of the Commission, that we will see a greater interest and ultimately a greater commitment towards supporting mental health in the poorest countries and for the poorest people of the world uh, by these development agencies. It's a fascinating topic. It's a weighty commission. I hope you all, everyone there, has a terrific summit. But in the meantime, Vikram Patel, Shekhar Saxena, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you very much, Richard.